Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North, the paranormal podcast dedicated to the telling of real-life spooky experiences from the north of the UK. I'm your host, Victoria, and as you may have guessed by the echoey kitchen fest, we've got a guest. A very special guest who's agreed to talk to me while I talk at them about things to do with ghosts and ghosts-related matter. Because there are a mixture of interesting themes at play today on Haunted Up North, we've got a little bit of ghost, a little bit of witchcraft, a little bit of true crime, and a lot of Jess Rose, illustrator, author, and designer, who's here with me today. We'll introduce her properly in a bit. She's keeping very quiet. I've told her if she utters one word, she doesn't get any cheese. Because first... I just want to give a shout out to Sam, SS Alchemist famous Sam, who we've mentioned on Haunted Up North before in an episode of the same name, the SS Alchemist, and other tales. This is half half of the same name. She recently supported us on Coffee, so thanks Sam. It's very much appreciated, and thanks also for sending me links to lots of awesome Australian shipwrecks and paranormal documentaries. I have a nice long list of things to watch, not that I ever seem to get time to watch all of them, even though that's literally all I really want to do with my day. But anyway, thanks Sam, thanks for your support, and also, thanks for being so generally kind. Jess! Hello. Did you put Bella in the witch elm? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe you. I can't, oh my god, I'm going to cave under pressure. Yes, I did. (laughs) I still don't believe you. Okay, no. no. Um, Jess Rose. Yes. yes. That's your name. Yes. Thanks for agreeing to appear in audio form on Haunted North. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listener? Uh, <laughs> no, but hi. <laughs> hi. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Like, this has been something that before you even started doing a podcast, I wanted to come and do your podcast. <laughs> yeah yeah we were meant to do a podcast together we were but here we are today but also i don't think i have a voice for podcasts because i get a bit cackly and laughy and but that's nice it is yeah we'll i see. like it okay. i like you <laughs> good <laughs> well we'll see what the listeners think when i've cackled at some point in this and their ears have burst so you're a when i first met you <laughs> i met you as a designer yes and you've grown into an illustrator. Yes. And now you're an author and illustrator of various books, children's yes, books. Yes, yes. Would am. you like to tell me which which titles you've crafted? Oh, uh, well, my own ones, I, obviously, I say obviously, it's not obvious because no one knows me. I, you're quite famous. I'm not even remotely. Jess Rose, Google her. No, I'm not even remotely famous. That's absolute nonsense. My son says that to me all the time. He's like, mum, you're famous. I'm like, by like three people. Well, he should Let's. know. <laughs> No. Anyway, so I've illustrated other people's stuff and I work as an illustrator aside from children's books as well. But my books that I've written and illustrated are Fantastic Frankie and then No Home for a Ghost, which is very oh, fitting. Yeah. yeah, I've shared that a couple of times on you have, you're Instagram. And it's an awesome book. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. But um, yeah, that was for my son who was like, ghosts are really scary. And I was like, they don't have to be Aww. scary. So, But Fantastic Frankie was my other son. By, yeah. yeah, so they've both kind of got a book inspired by them. Um, and then I have other ones in the works. I have another one out at some point. I don't know when the publication date is, except for it's already been published in Korea. Ooh. 
It's a bit random. How come just Korea? I don't know. <laughs> it's a publisher thing. Oh. Are you allowed to say what the title of that is? It's yet? called Pip. Oh. It's about a pigeon. Pip the pigeon. Pip the pigeon. I can't wait to hear what Pip gets up to. Yeah, very exciting. You recently illustrated a book called My Mummy is a Witch. I did. Which is quite fitting for this episode. Very, very. Listeners, listeners will Yeah, will that was a, a book that I've done with Helena Garcia, who was on Great British Bake Off, so that was very cool. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, she was like, she was very witchy, so she, all of the bakes that she did were like... I don't really, I don't watch it, not because I think it's rubbish, I just, it just hasn't, yeah. I just haven't been able to inject it into my routine, that's Bake Off, fine. which there's probably lots <clears> of people thinking that's a tro- an atrocious <laughs> thing. And I, yeah, How I'm dare sorry, you, I'm British. British. You should watch Great British Bake Off. Well, you just said you're not famous, but basically not. that's just proof of well, fame. Well, is, is it? She is. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just the person in the background drawing the pictures. You were famous before she was famous. Okay. For her bakes. <laughs> <laughs> she has a publicist. I don't have a publicist. Why don't you get one? Just Should I just get one just for no reason? They yeah, I'll do it. Do Fine. You're not my publicist. <laughs> I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it. Yeah, great. <laughs> if you could get me a blue tick on Instagram and a wiki page, then we've made it. <laughs> I think you just pay for the blue ticks now. Anyone uh, can have them. Can't I've got, they? I've got no money, so no. Um. <laughs> so, I know mm-hmm. that you have an avid interest in true crime. I do. I think that's what bonded our friendship. Yeah, definitely. That's how we initially connected. What's your favourite type of murder? Oh, God. Well, I don't know. I think it depends on my favourite murder. <laughs> what is my favourite death that I've heard of? Do you of? like the strangles? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the ones that get me the most are the unsolved ones. Because yeah. they really like... The Jack the Rippers. Yeah. And ultimately, Jack the Ripper was my uh, starter drug into true crime. And yeah, it kind of escalated from there. But I know that there was like the Golden State Killer that yeah. absolutely, until they caught him more recently, it literally plagued me. Like I would lay in bed thinking this man from the 1970s California was going to somehow get to my house. <laughs> and, like, oh, yeah. Come in and do the things, the horrendous things he'd done. And uh, yeah, but I was very glad when they caught this horribly ugh, little nasty little rat man. Have you ever watched um, videos of him in, what's his name uh, again? What's his real name? Joe's D'Angelo. Yeah. <sighs> Have you ever watched videos of him in his cell? No. Oh, is he really? Oh, he's isn't just... he actually really? He's not as he's not as like timid as he's coming across in the court, no. is he? He's actually very able-bodied. Yeah, I did hear about that. Blah. He's just he just does strange things in his cell, like putting cloths over lights and stuff, uh, which is odd. things that he did in his yeah. crimes. It's like he's reenacting something. Oh, yeah, that is blah blah blah. But yeah, true crime. Mm-hmm. You are a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the, the horrendous crimes. I think it's one of those really odd things. Obviously, many people are into it. And you kind of, when people who aren't are like, why? Why? Well, I <laughs> And think, I'm like, I think it's for me, it's just, it's so removed from... Yeah, exactly. It yeah. almost feels make-belief. Yeah. And, and, and then it's horrendous. And I kind of sometimes, when I start listening to too much of it, it starts affecting my, like, yeah. well-being. So I have to, like, I can't listen to this anymore. It's too gruelling and too upsetting. I do. Um, I'm yeah. reading that... Um, Ted Bundy book by mm. Anne Rule oh, yeah. um, that was written ages ago but it's been added to over the years yeah. but I've been reading that and I, I'm only I'm on 90% <laughs> 90% way through it 
and grueling. I, but I'm like, I know I need to take a break mm. from the true crime. But if I don't finish the book, you I'll, might I'll never, never pick finish it. Back it. Up. Yeah. But I totally understand that. But I think also it's good to desensitize yourself to stuff like that because ignoring it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Well, this is it. And the more that you learn about these kind of people as women, oh yeah, the wiser you'll be to it. So I think yes. it's a good thing. Yeah. But you're not just into true crime, you're into scary stories of all kinds, aren't you? Including yeah. paranormal ones, which is why you're here today. Yes. So have you had anything unsettling happen to you in terms of unexplained phenomena? Ooh, well, I get this, I get the, that, you know, nighttime thing where you like wake up and you like sleep paralysis. Oh, do you? Yes. Like, oh, but no. I get in a really weird way that I'm not really paralyzed. I actually can move, but I'm awake. But I, the room is my room and I can see everything. But sometimes there'll be like a figure in the corner oh, really? of the room or I'll feel somebody grab my ankle or something <gasps> oh my like that. Jesus. And I've had that for a long, long time. But it's one of those things that like used to really freak me out when I was a kid. But then now I'm so kind of used to it. It's kind of desensitized to it. What do you think? What do you think it is? Well, yeah, no, I don't know. It's one of those things like I've, my sister has a similar thing with a similar shaped figure at the end of her bed. And there is this, there's a whole like paranormal thread that you can follow of this, like almost yeah. not the Slender Man, because that was obviously made up, but it is this kind of thing, this figure that stands in people's dreams or nightmares. And there's a lot of this kind of yeah. nightmare following stuff. There's like ones about a man with a hat and all these things. Oh, that hat people, man. Like, yeah, hat man. Yeah, hat um, man. But I, me and my sister both get this kind of like strange, almost like suit wearing bloke <laughs> dark figure in the corner yeah um, so he is wearing is it, it's a male well, that's, figure yeah it's definitely a male figure and right. it is almost like this kind of I mean I can't say that I've, I categorically can see a suit but it's that it gives me that impression as yeah. if somebody is wearing that oh my God. which apparently is a thing that other people so I don't know if that's psychologically a thing that people just plump in their dreams or if there is literally a creature that's making its way through people's cycle <laughs> like well, well there's loads of experiences with a man in a suit yeah. like hat man I don't know if this I'm not I'm not a doctor so I'm might be relating this inaccurately mm. but I had a friend who used to work for epilepsy action mm. and he said that sometimes when people were having an epileptic fit they would see someone standing in the corner oh, weird. and their interpretation of it after they'd come out was that it was a guardian angel or something oh, like that right. but he said that it was some kind of something to do with your brain where you were watching yourself oh, and so it was you projected out watching weird. something like that like I said I'm not a doctor I might have got that wrong yeah. but if you're seeing a man in a suit that's like but it's again it's that thing of different. like I can't I can't tell you categorically I couldn't describe the face it's like I know that it's this man but yeah. ultimately I can't tell you there's a thing and it's very fleeting like as I you know I'll and sometimes I'll kind of get up and sit up and say like get out really and I'm talking and then I'll come round and be like oh he's not here yeah <laughs> looking at me with this terrified I'm not I am really terrified about it I've never I've never experienced that myself I have had a hat man experience which I've talked about on here before so I won't repeat it, but I think it's on it's on episode seven that I did with my grandma. Nice. Oh, I love that episode. Your grandma's yeah, amazing. She's like, she totally doesn't believe me. She's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think my my best and most direct paranormal story is when my son, one of my sons was, I'm going to say he was about one. So he was talking and walking a little bit. We um, had gone to this like 
Bingley Parish Church were doing like a fete on the grass outside and we'd gone to that and he basically either he needed to wash his hands or he needed to go to the toilet or something I can't remember what it was but I needed to find the toilet anyway with him and so I thought oh I'll go and try in the church because maybe there's a a toilet in the church I don't know if that's a thing Uh, yeah there's (coughs) toilets in churches (laughs) <laughs> like someone's got priest to... his well, yeah, but I didn't know if it was like a public toilet that everyone can use <laughs> anyway so we walked in and you know like obviously you get through the church doors there's like normally the doors that take you into the little vestibule yeah. and then there's like the bit that takes you actually into the church I opened the doors I had him in my arms and uh, and we, I went to step through into the actual church and he started recoiling in my arms like he just wouldn't go into the church and I was like what's wrong what's wrong and he was like no 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 and I was like pointing pointing uh, pointing really badly and he was like that man no 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 that man no the man and the boy Jesus. and I was like there's literally nobody there at all and I was just literally like what are you on about and so we didn't go in. Like, ultimately, he was just way too worked up and just wouldn't go into there. So man. I was like, what is this man and the boy doing? Like, what What did he see? Oh, my God. I was, like, that looking sounds on the, like... I was looking on the walls to be like, is there a picture of Jesus? Yeah, like, that's what I was just going to say. Is it Mary holding a baby? But there wasn't. There was nothing. There wasn't anyone there. He just was like, I'm not oh, going no. in there. And he didn't... He would just refuse point blank. That was Bingley Church. Parish Bingley Church, Church like, everyone. Get Has anyone heard or seen... <laughs> The ghost of a man with a boy. Yeah. Oh, so weird. But your son didn't like him. He did not. We would not go in. What so, did you do? Well, I just tried to find another toilet, but I was just a bit like, <laughs> he was so upset and worked up and he literally wouldn't even stay in my arms to go into the building. So I was just like, mm, well, we'll not do that then. So yes, yeah, so that's probably the biggest, like the most direct situation where I've been like, okay, there's somebody seen a thing. Didn't you have an experience where you, didn't you have some kind of time slip thing happen? Time slip? To do with, I don't want to ruin it in case you do want to tell it, something to do with a building and you said something that was a memory, but it couldn't have been a memory because you wouldn't. (gasps) Oh, when I was a kid to my parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, yeah, that was weird. When I was little, so I don't know, obviously, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with like where you're based. I'm guessing, obviously, you've said Howarth, but. Yes, I say Howarth. 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 So Howarth. 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 But Leeds Bradford um, Airport is not that far away. Yeah. And I used to ride on the top of like my, basically my grandma from where we lived to where my grandma lived, who we had to go and see quite often, was the road that kind of comes over the top and looks over to where the airport is, but also the buildings before that. And there's a massive, like, corrugated metal building that basically, I think it's got, like, planes and all that sort of stuff in it. But during the war, it would have been a place where I think it was a very big hotspot for where they would build machinery and planes and stuff like that. Anyway, one day when I was a kid, we must have been driving over the top of that hill, and I said to my mum, I don't have a memory of this, but my mum does have a memory. I remember asking it, but I don't remember, like the ins and outs of it as that as the way that I see it like it doesn't to me now it's not like a memory that yeah. I actually have but I'm, I'm anyway what happened was we were driving over the top of the hill and I said mum where have the cows and the trees gone on top of the building and she was like what do you mean and I was like the cows and the trees that used to be on the top of that building and she was like there have never been cows and trees on the top of that building and then my dad was like well not since the war <laughs> 
<laughs> alone voice. <laughs> and so it basically transpired that that building during the war had been covered with, they painted the top of the building, which you could see when you came over the top of that hill with cows and trees so that then any of the bombers or any of the kind of German planes would look down and basically not see what some a prime spot for dropping a bomb basically. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so a strange little child me had basically asked the query of where the things had gone as if I knew. How that they did were you there. know? I don't know. Do you think at some point when you were a kid, you entered into a time slip? <laughs> Or do you think you're a reincarnation of... I don't know. ...someone? It's so... It is weird. And my parents that still is, talk about really how... That's really cool. Weird I think it's is. really cool. No, because something like that, it's like... um, I don't find... that. I find that something like that, that does feel like a, a collision of yeah. planes or something. Not airplanes. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> so it seems yeah, like weird. something that could be scientifically but very interesting. But apparently when, I, when I was a kid, I used to say a lot of stuff that was like... Like I was older than I was. Yeah. And my mum and dad would always say that. And even teachers used to like, I've got reports that were like, she's an old soul in who she is. And so it was, I suppose, like a thing of like, maybe I'm some weird reincarnated little old biddy from like the war. Well, you don't know, do you? Because like your body goes back into the earth. Hmm. Where does your flipping energy go? Does that get recycled? No, because your body gets recycled. Yeah, totally. So like... I don't, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to put forward a simplistic view of reincarnation. No. But you don't know, do you? You don't know well, what yeah. you're picking up. You're an up energy, and... ultimately. That's what life is, isn't it? It's, it makes the difference between a dead body and a living body. And But the brain's weird. We don't understand it. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, it could be picking up on a radio signal. Maybe. Mine's from the 19... 19- yeah, <laughs> like... and you're the conduit. <laughs> of the war. Yeah. <laughs> Conduit of the War. That's your new album. That's my next book. <laughs> For kids. Yes. yes. I'd like a cut of that. Um, you work in a haunted office. <laughs> I do, seemingly. What have you well, seen I'm not actually. It? I'm not actually in that office anymore. We've now moved. This office that we were in before is full of a ghost. There is. Um, <laughs> there, there was an incident where basically everyone came in in the morning and the glass had shattered Yeah. on this. It's like, it's hard to describe, it's like the corridor. Then there's like glass windows into the office. So you can see into all the little office blocks. And one of those massive sheets of glass had basically smashed. And so then they basically looked back on the CCTV footage and could see that there was this very distinct figure that basically passes through the glass at the point of it smashing. And like, obviously I didn't see that in real life, but it's on this clip and it's terrifying and it gives you absolute shudders and it's like the most horrible thing. <laughs> I've seen that clip and unfortunately we can't, we can't share it because it's obviously, it's a private company's yeah. footage, but it is very, very scary. It is very scary. Did it, and it happened when no, did, what was, it was the time on it? It was, was like 2am. Jesus. So it's not, because I was like... it's a proper figure. Yeah, it is. You're, and I, you're, I you're thought when I was like watching it, it, like, is somebody on the other side in the office yeah, making it like, you know, doing something that then makes that some sort of weird shadow. But ultimately there was no one there and there's no like, you know, you can see when people going in and out. Because the figure's very close to the glass. Mm. So even if it was a shadow, you would see the other Well, yeah, something thing. on the other side. And even if someone had thrown something... They were it's too so close to the glass. I mean, ultimately, that building is the old Leeds Market. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, so it's oh, above, right. it's the it's literally the old building that is the Leeds Market, but the upstairs part. Oh no of, way! Of Leeds Market. Oh wow! So it is a very that's old. A, that's it, a gorgeous building. It as is well, a gorgeous it? building. It's a very old, beautiful building. But when I would walk down those stairs, they're very creaky. But it would sometimes, sound, I don't know if it's just the distribution of weight, but it would sound like sometimes people were on the stairs like further up, <gasps> and and it, it was a bit unnerving when you first start. You're like, is someone coming down behind. But you're also like, is someone going to push me down the stairs? Am I about to die? Is this how I die? I wonder, there must be some research into Leeds Market. Oh, imagine. Well, there was a fire, wasn't there? Was there? There Do you think it was there? But I don't know if anyone died. I haven't looked into that. It's weird, the breaking of the glass, though, because the glass is new, isn't it? Yes. And obviously it was that sort of glass that it shatters and then yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't fall to the ground. But the entire thing was like shattered and it looked as if like someone had, it, there was like a pressure point yeah. as if it had been here. No way. It's weird. You hear accounts of ghosts walking through walls because mm. there didn't used to be a wall there. Yeah. Is that something? something? Yeah, maybe it was a space and they were just walking forward and yeah. ultimately there wasn't supposed to be glass there. And the energy <laughs> smashed it. But now there is. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be really good actually to research that. Yeah, I didn't realize it was above Lee's Market. Yeah, I'm glad I don't actually work in the office anymore. Oh yeah. So because you're into true crime, Mm -hmm. that's how we originally bonded. Yes. Which sounds creepy. (laughs) I like to imagine that we were just like across the (laughs) office, and like somebody mentioned a serial killer's name, and both of our heads just popped up. Like we know this, and then we caught each other's eye from across the room, and we were like. Oh, we're friends now. I like to think <laughs> that I was reading my Ted Bundy by Anne Rule book. And, and you I were reading your Fred West and his, his mate Rose. <laughs> and uh, we were not looking where we were going and we bumped <laughs> to each other. And we picked and up each other's books. <laughs> That's actually what happened. Exactly. And then, since then we've been friends. Yes. So because we bumped into each other yeah. and, and picked up each other's books on killings. <laughs> on murderers. I've decided for today's Haunted Up North special guest Sunday supernatural story, I've picked one that has a true crime element. Ooh. And it is, who put Bella in the witch elm? Was it you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't ruined the ending then. <laughs> Jess already knows about this because it's quite a famous tale and it's not strictly supernatural like I said but it does contain supernatural elements and it occurred in the village of Hagley, Worcestershire, England, Worcestershire. (laughs) So Hagley is actually on the boundary of the West Midlands and Worcestershire counties between the metropolitan borough of Dudley and Kidderminster. Dudley! Yeah. Sorry, that's the sorry one. to all the people from Birmingham that I've just offended. Will they mind that you did that? Well, I work with someone from Dudley, and oh. uh, she doesn't mind, but okay. I can't speak for the entire population of you, Dudley. You mean it endearingly? You're telling me you know I where it, it is, and you love the people of Dudley. I do, all of you. And Kidderminster. So it's not north, north, not massively haunted up north, but it's still a bit haunted up north. Because mm-hmm. Worcestershire is considered north to and those below it. Well, up north. Yes, this is all recorded up north. Um, Where? Here. Howarth. Yeah, Howarth. <laughs> this is Howarth, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned it ever. <laughs> it's quite north. It's quite south. Mm. Some people. It's a swim. Some people would say we're southerners. Mm. They can get stuffed. Not nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> what? They, I meant to say nonsense. It's not a story about nonsense, Jess. <laughs> 
Say that out, please. Okay, because it accidentally fell out of my mouth when I meant to say nonsense. You can keep it. Okay. It's my gift. Thank you. So my gift to you is this pretty sad story, mm. as most true crime stories of this nature are. Please read the trigger warnings in the show notes, because if you think this might not be for you, then please turn your ears away. But it's sad, regardless of whether you turn your ears away or not, so prepare yourselves for sadness. Sadness! But also, a fair amount of mystery and intrigue, which is why we've selected this. So, on the 18th of April, 1943, so this is basically 80, 80 years ago, to the almost exact month, because we're recording this at the beginning of May. I wonder if some of the people from it are still alive then. Maybe, 80 years. Some of them children, didn't they? Yes, yes. They might be. So on the 18th of April, 1943, four local boys, Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer and Fred Payne, discovered the skeletal remains of a woman lodged inside the hollow trunk of a large witch elm in Hagleywood near Witchbury Hill, which was part of the Hagley estate belonging... Sorry, there's a dog yelping outside. Um, Hagley estate, part of the Hagley estate belonging to the then Lord Cobham. Charles John Littleton, 10th Vice... <laughs> vice Count. <laughs> Such a weird name. 10th Vice uh, Viscount Cobham. Mm-hmm. Cobham, I think, is a place in Kent. I oh, think right. that's where the title originates from. I think. Viscount from Kent, obviously. <laughs> uh, Farmer, one of the boys, he had been the first to come across the body as he'd climbed the tree to search for bird's nest. Naughty. He, he also, orig- looking for a nest, finds a body. Not a great day. No, poor guy. Boy. Mm. Not yet a man. And already finding bodies. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> he originally mistook the skeleton for an animal. However, after noticing the presence of human hair and teeth upon the skeleton's skull, <sighs> which by this point he'd actually picked up oh. and handled with his hands, he realised that the skull he was holding wasn't that of an animal. It was, in fact, that of a decomposed human Gross. body. What do you make of that? Not great. Nope. Poor kids. So, because the boys were poaching, which is why they were climbing trees, in order to find birds' nests, I presume to steal the eggs from the nest. And on Lord Cobham's land illegally, Farmer returned the skull to its original position, and all four boys hurriedly departed the estate... Without Could you imagine <laughs> being a kid, finding a dead person, and then just being like, cool, cool, yeah, thanks. So, um, uh, I'm just going to go uh, pop home. I, I like the fact he put it back, though. I mean, well He didn't, done. like, drop it and <laughs> yeah. run off. And, you know, he kind of put it well, back. Yeah, had some sort of decency. So, you know, not all bad. <laughs> Still, I could just imagine him laid in bed at night, like... And the hands, yeah. they will never be clean. Never. Never. It's like laid him at best. Yeah. They left the estate, all four boys, without mentioning the fact they'd found a dead body in a tree in Hagleywood to anybody. Mm. One of the boys, however, Thomas Willits, who'd been incredibly troubled by the discovery, as they all probably were, despite preferring to stay silent. Thomas Willits, upon returning home that day, told his parents everything he'd seen and they promptly informed the police. Well done. As you would. When authorities arrived on the scene, they found an almost complete skeleton wearing a gold wedding ring, size five and a half crepe sole shoes. Is that it? Crepe? Yeah, crepe. The soles of the shoes were made of crepe. <laughs> crepe paper. Yeah. <laughs> it was just paper shoes. <laughs> paper shoes on this poor woman. 
and some fragments of what one source describes as poor quality clothing, which were still Harsh. they were still attached to the body. Yeah, <laughs> I like the fact that they just kind of judge them, <laughs> judge their clothing, like oh, this poor dead person, but. God, they did not have taste. Yeah. And they have clearly not got the bank balance for the right uh, get up. That's why I didn't want to... I, I wanted to say it was from a source, that bit. <laughs> I would never care about someone's quality clothing. Of course. But I guess they're maybe saying that this person might have been of a particular class, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Which obviously back then is much more prominent in terms of... Yes. Kind of been able to judge that. Yeah. Yes. The skull, as previously mentioned, contained some <laughs> some tufts of hair and a distinctive dental pattern, though some teeth were inevitably missing. So there were apparently some irregularities in the mm. jaw, which would have made her face, the woman who was found in the tree, her face particularly identifiable to those who knew her or had seen her in the local mm. vicinity. After further exploration of the area, the remains of the woman's hand bones were also found within close proximity to the tree. Have you ever looked at the skull online? No, I haven't. Can you show me a picture? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So you can look at it online. And I, I have, I don't know whether to share it on social media or not. I don't know if it's a bit... No, I would. Would you? Yeah. So I'll share that on social media. But you can Google it if you just type in... I just typed in Bella Skull, Witch Elm. But Jess, what do you make of the skull? It's gross and really sad. Yeah. The hair is sort of attached to the side of the head. But I guess when you have skin and everything... Sorry, I'm writing in the mic because I'm looking at the thing. It's (laughs) It's going to be me going, skin, really loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I imagine, I mean, I've never been a corpse that is, you know, rotting, but I imagine everything slips. So the, oh, yeah. the hair will then congeal wherever that bit of skin disintegrated. So yeah, I will share that. And if you Google it, be warned, it's not very nice. Yeah. But the body that the skull was attached to after it was exhumed from the tree was sent for forensic examination by James Webster, who established it was that of a female who'd been dead since somewhere around October 1941. So that's like a year, at least a year and a half. Which I'm quite shocked was... by that in a tree you could disint- like, you know, go back to being fully bone in a year. Like, I, I yeah. mean, I, obviously I'm no... It's true, actually. Like, expert, but it, she seems so decomposed. Yeah. And it's a bit like, wow, in a tree. Like, underground, I can kind of understand it in the sense of... But, you know, I'm no expert, and probably that yeah. is normal rate of a body. Because you think what would... Maybe there's pa- other parasites in the be tree. and all the stuff that will happen there. and Yeah. So yeah, at least a year and a half before she was discovered in April 1943. A piece of taffeta, which is a type of clothing material, for anyone who doesn't know what taffeta is, (laughs) yeah, fabric, was found lodged deep down inside her mouth, which is a bit Buffalo Bill. But this led Webster to believe that the woman had died from an act of suffocation, and from the measurement of the trunk in which she was found... She had most likely been placed inside the tree before rigor mortis had set in because there was no way she could have fitted in yeah. if she hadn't still been warm and obviously Which, can be- you imagine bending. lifting... It, like, I mean, yeah. we'll look at this later in terms of like what they think happened. But how would even a man, a dead-weighted woman, into the top of a yeah. of an elm yeah. tree? Like, that is... That must take some serious heft. Forensic work also revealed that the victim was aged from around 35 to 40 years old and had given birth to a child. That That's from one source. Yeah. But some sources accurate. don't mention that, so... And also, no, not... that pulls on my heartstrings because I'm a mother. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> I instantly... That. No, but you're instantly like, oh no, 
yeah. but you don't know the facts we don't know anything to do with that situation so it's still sad because yeah. this is all building a picture yeah. of a person isn't it yeah a real person professor webster's findings made him certain that the unknown woman had died from wrongful death in other words she'd been moidered moidered and he stated i cannot imagine a woman accidentally slipping in there Neither do I think it reasonable for a woman to crawl into that place to commit suicide. He also said that the crime scene location was an excellent place for the concealment of a murder, and he thought it indicated local knowledge, meaning that he believed someone local had committed this act. So Yeah, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'll drag this dead person yeah. who I've only recently killed. Yeah, before Rigor Mortis gets in. <laughs> before Rigor Mortis gets in, in the hope I can find an elm tree to drop her down. <laughs> <laughs> with a human sized hole yeah <laughs> perfect all the things I hoped would happen have come together <laughs> what a great day <laughs> now for a picnic <laughs> on the 24th of April 1943 the Hartlepool Northern Daily Mail published a hypothesised description of the woman's appearance prior to her death her age well it's basically what I've just said her age is given as between 25 and 40 most probably 35 height five feet with light brown hair and dressed in a dark blue and mustard coloured striped cardigan and mustard coloured skirt blue crepe soled shoes size five and a half with these shoes all the garments were described as poor quality and a wedding ring found among the bones was of rolled gold probably worth two and six today shillings That's some old money Some extra shillings i think fair so this gruesome discovery occurred in the middle of the Second World War, mm-hmm. stupid wars, which was rife Very. with missing person cases, meaning that the records of missing persons were just too vast for a proper identification of the poor dead woman to take place. From items found with the body, authorities had a vague idea of what her appearance may have been like, but despite attempting to cross-reference these details with reports of missing persons throughout the region and contacting local dentists with regards to her distinctive dental pattern, none seemed to match the evidence they'd collected. Damn it. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'll have a drink too. Ooh, it's very lemony. Yeah, there's a lemon in it. I can see. Do you want more? <laughs> no. So, after that... In official terms, anyway, the case, unfortunately, went cold, which is a bit rubbish. Especially as something, I mean, yeah, ultimately, would it have gone cold had there not been a war? But if you've got that many people, but it's so, like, so weird. Even now, like, it would just be weird. Totally. It's in a mm, witch elm. Yeah, and a person, she had no hands. Yeah. And a taffeta in her mouth. And a tuft. During the Christmas of 1943, however, a graffiti message was chalked in capital letters three inches deep on the side of a house in Old Hill in the metropolitan borough of Sandwell, which is about seven miles from Witchbury Hill, Mm. which read, Who put Lou Bella down the witch elm? That's what it said. Mm -hmm. And we've already established that this wasn't you, Jess. No, it wasn't. I wasn't there. I wasn't even alive. Well, I might have been in my past self. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, it might have been me. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's why you're undecided. Oh my God. (laughs) Present you says no. Past you says something. I'm conflicted. Wildly different. (laughs) But whether it was you or not, whoever did write this graffiti seemed as though they were alluding to the fact that the name of the woman those four boys found dead inside the witch elm in Hagleywood was called Lou Bella. A few days later, another message appeared on a wall in Upper Dean Street, Birmingham, asking, Who put Lou Bella down the witch elm? Hagley Wood. 
Because there's another Lou Bella and another witch elm in yeah, a different location. But it's got a question mark at the end of it. Hagley Wood. Hagley Wood? Is it in Hagley Wood? I can't remember. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they're asking, was it me? <laughs> I definitely put a Lou Bella in a witch elm. Was it the one in Hagley Wood? <laughs> On 30th of March 1944, the Evening Dispatch wrote the following about the anonymous artist of the cryptic graffiti. The writing was too high on the wall to have been done by boys, and the police are inclined to the view that it is the work of someone coming into the city early in the morning with farm produce. (laughs) That's That's a lot of farm um, produce. I don't know. In what way did they write it in a carrot on the side of the building? <laughs> like, in what way have they decided it was somebody bringing farm produce? Maybe there were some lettuce leaves. <laughs> there was a cabbage. Yeah. And a sign that was saying, I'm off to market. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a horse plot. <laughs> There's some very specific reasons they've decided yeah, that, though. It's very Jack the Ripper, that, though, isn't yeah, it? It's sort of like... Could it have been a farm produce person or a, like a sailor? Like yeah. in Jack the Ripper, it was like, <gasps> was he a sailor? It's like, it makes me think of that. It is a bit Jack the Rippery. I know. We've, this sort of mystery. I haven't really realised we've actually picked my favourite type of true crime story yes. to discuss. Yes. Because we never find out. The Upper Dean Street graffiti was followed by two more high up on the same block of buildings in the fruit market of the city. Maybe this is why. Uh, okay. Stating Fair simply... Enough, this one just said, Hagleywood Bella. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Rubbish. <They're> obsessed. <laughs> and similar scribblings appeared in August 1944 on a five bar gate at Horn, also on a wall in Wolverhampton, both reading, Hagleywood Lou Bella was opposite Rosencrown, Hasbury. So interesting. I would be interested to know like how far away all those points are to each other. Uh, within 10 miles, I think. This is quite far. Especially like, so, yeah. especially at that time in that era, because ultimately people didn't just have you know cars. Not everybody had a car, and you weren't you kind of stayed more in your local community than you did yeah. go wandering off. So for somebody to be, you know, if it were kids, you would kind of think it would be around their local area of where they hang out rather than yeah. you know, a ten mile radius. That's quite a big stretch, really. And they said that it wasn't kids, didn't they? Well, they yeah, it was too high. They could have had a ladder. Though. Well, yeah. I mean, like ultimately ruling that out. You, Kids are inventive and they can climb on each other's backs, but it's still that thing of that is a lot, that's quite a big distance to be traveling. So then it would make you think, based on my knowledge of how some of these people work who do stuff like this from what we've listened to, sometimes there's like compelled to be found or yeah. almost keep yeah. bringing up points. Like BTK wouldn't have got caught if he hadn't have kept writing those letters and yeah, because he just couldn't help himself. What an idiot. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but ultimately, these people who do these horrendous things, sometimes yeah. they want not to be caught, but they want that kind of notoriety, don't they? And to yeah. keep being remembered and thought about of what they've done. So. Since the 1970s, more graffiti has mysteriously manifested with the slightly modified Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm, which has been painted across the Hagley Obelisk near to where the woman's body was discovered. And if you look on Google Maps uh, and you type in Hagley Obelisk, it doesn't show you a street view Mm -hmm. because it's quite a rural area. Yeah. But it's the obelisk is near the summit of Witchbury Hill. But, you know, it shows you the latest pictures that people have uploaded. Yeah. And I think there's one, I found one from March 2023, which is only two months ago, that shows that who put Bella in the Witch Elm graffiti and it's still on the obelisk. Oh, wow. 
just scrolled across it. So I don't know whether... Oh, why weird that they wouldn't get rid of that? Well, I thought, has it been... Has it been left from the la- from the first time it's been on there? Mm. Do they keep scrubbing it and it just appears? Yeah. So they've left it because there is a fence around the obelisk. Okay. You can get over it. I don't think well, it's very. Yeah. It might just be part of the local tradition to leave it there yeah, now. Probably. I don't know, but it's still on there anyway. Because um, I, I presumed it would have been scrubbed off, but mm. it's still there, like a piece of living history. Yeah. And it, in a way, it's kind of like I feel a bit sorry for the obelisk that someone keeps writing <laughs> on it. No, but. It, it's it's sort of like I think it's good in a way because it stops this woman from getting forgotten, doesn't it? Yeah, We're talking about her today. True. I mean, she might have been forgotten if it, I mean it was a very like you say it's a very strange circumstances, so it is unique. Very, but at the same time, it's well, sort of something. nice that people yeah. remember it. Yeah, and maybe that's why they've left it there. So, because the case was never truly solved, the answer to the question "Who put Bella in the witch elm?" has been largely left unanswered. Though there are a number of theories as to both the identity of the murdered woman as well as the nature of the tragic circumstances that befell her. Steve Punt, <laughs> great name. <laughs> also rhymes with. We won't add that. <laughs> also rhymes with. I worked with a, a Michael Hunt, and, and we weren't allowed to call him Mike. Are you serious? I'm being very serious. He was a technologist. <laughs> I am Michael Hunt. Don't call me Mike. Call me Michael. <laughs> but oh, I really like. I was in a very big with a oh, with a major no. retailer. I was in. He was a technologist for a major retailer. And I was in a meeting with that retailer. We'd just done some presenting of some design work. And they literally like said, oh, Michael Hunt will be here <laughs> in about five minutes. And I had to take a double take. And then I'd kind of kind of laugh, <laughs> cough. Into I can my, imagine you're the worst person oh, in the so world bad to hear I have, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I just have no poker face, a poker face and I can't sti- you know, stifle a laugh if there's one there. Like I just can't. So I just had to kind of like cough, laugh into my arm. And then, yeah. And I was very young. I was only like 23, so it was not ideal. Because <laughs> I was even less able to control There's it. absolutely then. no way I wouldn't laugh. I'm sorry, Michael Hunt. Michael Hunt. At the boys' school of the... Because I'm from Skipton. There's mm-hmm. a boys' school there uh, next to our school. And the one of the teachers there was called Richard Head. <laughs> <laughs> a, a teacher as well. Did everyone just call him Dick? Like, yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, I did. Why well, wouldn't you? If I was a teacher, I would just give myself a different name. I'd be like, I'm not making this harder for myself. Yeah, I guess maybe you're just like, oh, sorry, I don't care if someone, yeah, fair you enough. know, I'll you're own like, this. I'm not changing my name because of your immaturity. But no, a teacher, though. Hilarious. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Yeah, unfortunate names. So Steve Punt... <laughs> British writer, comedian, actor, mm-hmm. and broadcaster, he had a Radio 4 show between 2008 and 2017 called Punt P.I., and it investigated various famous British mysteries. Mm-hmm. And it I t- keep making these noises whenever you Good. say mystery. I'm like, What's mm. <laughs> <laughs> your mystery noise. And in 2014, in an episode of Punt P.I., dedicated to the riddle of Lou Bella, or Bella, and the Hagleywood Witch Elm, he suggested two possible victims of the Bella in the Witch Elm saga. Who is it? Who is it? Right, I'll tell you. In 1944, a Birmingham sex worker reported to the police that a fellow sex worker named Bella, 
who worked on Hagley Road, which is about nine and a half miles from Witchbury Hill, disappeared without a trace three years earlier from the time that the report was made. Mm. So the report was made in 1944 and the body was found in 1943 with forensic analysis placing the time of death around autumn 1941. Mm. So that's right prime time. marries up pretty neatly. And also, wasn't she wearing quite, I mean, I don't know yeah. the money, but a very cheap gold ring. Yeah. And they would have, they did wear cheap jewelry to employ, so they didn't get arrested basically. Oh really? Yeah. Oh really? I mean, don't fact check, I mean, someone maybe wants to fact check that, but I'm pretty Pretty sure to protect women, you would wear a wed- um, right. the impression of a wedding ring, so that then if you were pulled, up, you know, somebody police pulled you over. I did <laughs> or, not know that, or any of that sort of stuff would you could be like, oh, this is my husband. Um, and also the well, I don't mean to generalize, but also if if she had had a child, there's you know, um, anyone can have a child. <laughs> <laughs> they can, but you would imagine but if it's somebody sort of died who was married, that they would someone would miss them. Yes. I guess. Especially if they were a a mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it kind of puts more plain to the riddle of why nobody claimed her body. The graffiti containing the name of Lou Belair had already appeared by then. Uh, So I'm presuming the sex worker who'd approached the police with a possible name was responding to the name contained within the graffiti and connecting it to the disappearance of her friend. She didn't do it until she saw that. Yeah. Um, But if it was her friend whose body was found in the witch elm, then it's also probable that the person who wrote the graffiti either knew about the murder, Mm -hmm. so was the murderer, Mm -hmm. or had something to do with it. So that's, that's an interesting one, that. Yeah, very interesting. A second potential theory put forward by your mate Steve Punt doesn't <laughs> contain an actual victim name, and I think you'll like this, actually. It does suggest the identity of who the killer or killers might have been. In 1953, a woman named Una Mossop, which is obviously a name Full for the great names. 1990s children's TV presenter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to be called Una. <laughs> Una Mossop made a statement to police that her ex-husband, Jack Mossop, had confessed that he and a Dutchman called Van Rout, that's just his name, Van Rout, had placed the dead woman in the tree after she had passed out drunk while they were driving after sharing a drink yeah, together at the Littleton Arms in mm. Hagley, which is a pub. In this supposed confession, Jack stated that he and Van Rout had placed the woman inside the tree in the hope that in the morning, when she awoke, she would be shocked to find herself in such a predicament. Well, yeah. And as a result, see the error of her ways. <laughs> For getting in a car with two men. Yeah. <laughs> like... And also, what do you care? What do yeah. you care, Jack Mossop? What's what? it got to do with you? Absolutely. Uh, however, this theory doesn't explain the discovery of the taffeta stuffed inside her mouth. So it could hands. be... <laughs> yes, all that. Uh, so it could be that Jack did put the woman's body in the tree, mm. but it might have been to conceal the body rather than to yeah, teach yeah. a woman the error of her ways <laughs> while she's still for alive. Educating her. I don't like Jack. No, it sounds like right, Richard Punt. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not Richard. <laughs> what's his name? All of the genitalia represented. <laughs> So yeah, I don't believe, I don't don't believe, I mean, this was, um, this statement was made at a time when Jack was dead. Yeah, so, so it could it, have been easy. They weren't, they weren't able to investigate this. No. He died 10 years before yeah. ex-wife Una reported this information. Which also, why would you carry that for 10 years if that... I feel like we don't know anything about Una, but 
it does seem a bit far-fetched to not reported that at a time when something could be yeah, done about it. Because apparently he did die at the time that the body was discovered. Mm. So that's 10 years of silence. Yeah. But what's particularly interesting and really quite creepy about this theory is that before his death, Jack had been confined to a Stafford mental hospital because mm-hmm. he'd been having reoccurring nightmares of a woman staring out at him from the inside of a tree. <gasps> oh, that's weird. So, I mean, maybe mm. he was the murderer and ultimately did all these weird stuff to her and then regretted it and couldn't live with himself and ultimately yeah. was having reoccurring thoughts. Yeah. That could be it. A third theory... Now, this isn't a P.I. punt theory. No. It's just a wider, more universal theory. It comes from a declassified MI5 file concerning a man called Joseph... I don't know. Is it J-A-K-O-B-S? Jacobs or Jacob? Jacob. Jacobs. Oh, I don't know. I'm not very good just call him Joseph. Fine. But he was the last man to be put to death in the Tower of London on the... No. Yes. On the 15th of August, not the 14th, the 15th of August, 1941, the supposed year that which Elm Bella died. He was born in Luxembourg, a German citizen, and he'd been a spy for the German military intelligence and was arrested by the Home Guard that same year after parachuting into Cambridgeshire and breaking his ankle in the process. So I presume that led to his capture. Yeah, not getting away very fast with a broken ankle. Was the pity? Yeah, and swearing in German. Yeah. <laughs> Ashfind. That's not yeah. a swear word. What's his name? Uh, fart. <laughs> fart. <laughs> I like to imagine that's how Germans swear. They just say really yeah. normal. I like it. I'm going to use it again. Simple words, <laughs> like a four-year-old. Uh, on his person, as he was farting away was found <laughs> limping and farting yes limping and farting uh, on his person was found a photograph of his lover a oh. German actress and cabaret mm. singer named Clara oh gosh the Clara Bra, 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 should we ask the internet oh uh, I was going to ask Alexa but I don't know how to <laughs> so, Alex how do you pronounce this <laughs> yeah <laughs> Bowerly 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 Bowerly. That. Bowerly. Anyway, you that's what she's called. That creepy one. Bowerly. <laughs> Clara Bowerly. <laughs> that reminds me of that app when we went on that paranormal oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave <Right>. now. <laughs> I hate There were so many things. And you. Closet. Closet. <laughs> Die. <laughs> Bowerly. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. What if Bowerly came on? That would really be a, a topic of conversation. Perfect. We should go up there yes. to the Witchbury Hill Obelisk. <gasps> we should. That would be good. Yeah. See it, the graffiti in real, yeah. with real eyes. Totes. So, yeah, her, Clara. Uh, Clara. Oh, should we look at her? Let's look at her face. Um, is that her? But didn't they say that her, she'd have a very distinct um, dental pattern, dental jaw. pattern, which would mean it visible? So it'd be interesting to see what Clara looked like. How much cheese is too much cheese for? Eat one all person? of the cheese. Yeah, but I feel like I will regret that in the Why? future because cheese bars. Yeah, but mm. cheese Auschwitz. <laughs> Are you sharing a bed this evening? No. <laughs> then just, just eat all eat the cheese. All the cheese away. Fat all the fat. And um, that's her. 
Oh, this is nothing to do with the sound. Look at her coquettish, wow, coquettish very, figure. Very coy. Interesting. Does she have a distinctive dental pattern? I don't think so. I mean, ultimately, this picture, I know that the, the listeners can't see it, but that obviously is a proposal of what they think yeah. that Bella would have looked like with that jaw pattern. So she doesn't look like that. Yeah. She looks very symmetrical. Yeah. So, sorry, what Jess is referring to is they did a facial reconstruction. Which again, if you Google it. Yeah. If you Google Bella and the Witch Elm, you'll probably see it. Let's enlarge Clara and look at her mouth. <laughs> We're going to investigate. Because then we'll know if mouth. it's her or not. <laughs> we will on. solve this tonight. Um, she's not. She's got quite. Well, it's hard to tell with a a black and white picture that's faded. Yeah. But that is a I mean, unique looking mouth. Yeah, it is quite. Um, it's hard to know because of the shadow if she's actually got slight, you know, definition on one side or not. Yeah. And obviously it's grainy. But. It is a strange, sorry, Clara, you have a Mm. lovely face, but it's a unique smile. But that also is probably because she just looks a bit sinister. Yeah, she looks really creepy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Her, Mm -hmm. apparently she, according to Joseph, she was being trained as a spy and she was supposed to have followed him over to England after he'd made contact with his spy mates, with his German spy mates. Uh, seeing as he'd been arrested before he'd managed to communicate with his team, however, mm. he doubted that Clara would have been sent into England after all. Her whereabouts remained unknown for decades after these events, and it was conjectured that she may have died in England under suspicious circumstances. Mm. Oh, it wasn't until... <laughs> I was <laughs> no. going to say, I think... Ah. <laughs> It wasn't until 2016, however, that it was discovered she died of a lung infection. Yeah, but I only just remembered that when we've just sat and tried to figure out her face. (laughs) But actually, I remember listening to that bit and that actually... Oh, well. It wasn't her. Yeah, it's not her. She died on the 16th of December, 1942. But we looked at her face and we thought it was weird. Yeah, she has gone down in history for the fact that uh, we've contributed to her narrative by looking at her for longer than necessary. Maybe someone will talk about my face in the future. Probably. Podcast, yeah, or the future version of a podcast. Well, we're talking about your face now. Great, this is solely a podcast about my face. It's a good face. <laughs> so it probably wasn't her. No, and also I've written here. Clara's <laughs> Clara was said to have stood around six feet tall, while Bella was only around five. Ah. Uh. Another theory put forward by the police themselves was that Bella. This is my favorite one. Oh. Um, yes. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was a refugee. Oh, that's not my favorite Oh, uh, there is another one. That's hopefully it's the same one that you're thinking of. (laughs) So this one, the one before that, was that Bella was a refugee from the Blitz. Because during the Second World War, the Germans launched a bombing campaign on the UK, attacking ports and industrial cities from the skies, one of which included Birmingham. This theory put forward by the police suggests that Bella, I'll call her Bella, because she deserves a name. Yeah. The victim deserves more of a name than the killer. To yes. Yes. So Bella... That wasn't a fart, that was my shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme for tonight. <laughs> um, so, uh, the th- yes, this... The, you've... Sorry. Fats. <laughs> Distracting. <laughs> this theory suggests that Bella, while living in Birmingham, hid in Hagley Wood during one of the air raids, mm. since this was a known location for people to shelter from attack, and so they think she might have died of exposure. But then Hans, Taffeta. Mm. Not really. Well, oh, I, I suppose I got if there was an air raid, she might have put something in her mouth thinking there was a gas 
like I don't know guess if there was like oh yeah maybe if she thought there was going to be some sort of like gas thing and she didn't have a, a thing on it but yeah. you still wouldn't lose your hands would you but there is a theory about the hand later oh right cool uh, which is linked to I think which is your favorite theory the most interesting and yes. supernaturally related when I say one. my favorite it's sad, but that's it it's just the most interesting the one, yeah the one that you resonate with <laughs> yes <Is it? laughs> really resonate <laughs> I just find it the most because it's just so like it opens so many yes. more stories to like exactly who was this person yeah and what was their life yeah and that's why I find it the most kind of like compelling me too I agree great this theory comes from anthropologist and archaeologist Margaret Murray, who in 1945 proposed that Bella may have been murdered as a result of ritualistic, ritualistic, ritualistic witchcraft. Hagleywood had a reputation for being the haunt of witches' covens. And if you remember, no, you don't, you do remember, we've just been talking about it, mm-hmm. one of Bella's hands had been found elsewhere, outside of the tree she was found in, and wasn't attached to the rest of a skeleton when it was uncovered. Which is weird. Like, I mean, ultimately a bird maybe could have picked it up and taken it from somewhere else, but... Well, police do think that it was a result of animal predation. Predation? Predation? Predation. The animals got hold of it. Because I think the bones were scattered, apparently. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just, like, found in another place. I don't know. There's conflicting things from different sources. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. There was a lot going on. Murray believes that it may have been purposefully severed in an occult ritual called the Hand of Glory. Traditionally, the Hand of Glory ritual consists of pickling and drying the hand of a hanged man and making a candle from its fat. Have you seen the one in in Whitby? (laughs) Uh, No. Have you? I haven't seen it in real life. I've been told about it and I want to see it. Should we put that on? On Instagram as well. Yes. Yeah. Lots of dry... I saw a dried <laughs> hand in Budapest, which is supposed to be the dried hand of St. Stephen. Do you know what I saw when I went to Italy the other month? What? Galileo's finger. So why have they taken his finger? Just as a... It's just a finger. Apparently they took like three fingers and then some other bits of him and put him in like places. And this one, no this is in, but it's like it's like it's that bit of his finger. No like way. That's, sorry, I'm showing... It's like an index finger. Yeah. And then you can see the nail... And obviously, all the, there's oh, like no remnants of the skin that's obviously kind of like stuck to it. And it's then in like a little, weird little egg shape. It looks a bit like an <laughs> expensive Kinder egg that you don't ever want to get. He's <laughs> true. <laughs> and then it's like children. on this weird little stand. But I didn't even realise it was there. I was just looking at some other displays and this like load of gaggle of teenagers came through. And this one girl just walked head first into the display. Like sent, like, <laughs> sent it all like rocking back and forth. And then they kind of just scurried off. And then we realised the person I was with that it was Galileo's finger that she just nearly like destroyed. Galileo was pointing the way. <laughs> he was. By making that teenager bump into his finger so you can exactly. look at it. How so, old will that be then, the finger? Very, very old. I can't remember when Galileo died. Please don't test me. <laughs> Centuries. A long time. <laughs> I don't want any of my parts to be pickled and dried. No, I agree. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that matter. Please, Especially anybody in the future, don't pickle or dry me. Thanks. Just put me in the ground and let me turn into a try, a, a try, <laughs> a tree. <laughs> but not not this, not the witch elm tree. No, don't put me in a tree. So yes, they the, traditionally the hand of glory is pickling and drying the hand of a hangman, making a candle from its fat, and <laughs> and using the rest of the hand as a candlestick. Gifts for Christmas. Yes, and once lit, it's supposed to cause all who stand in its presence motionless. 
and the dead body that the hand was previously attached to would have to be enclosed inside a tree so its spirit would be trapped and unable to haunt its murderers. So the presence of a potentially severed hand taken from the body of a murdered person in a witch elm mm. has sparked a lot of interest in the notion that the unidentified woman could have met her end as a result of ritualistic witchcraft. Dark witchcraft, obviously. Ooh. The naughty kind. Because I know Bad. there's other types of witchcraft which aren't... Yeah. They don't involve murder and harming no. people. The hand had apparently been left 13 paces from the skeletal remains... <laughs> which is an ancient custom used when an alleged witch was executed and witch elms are supposedly said to play an important park, park part in the dark arts. They're also called witch elms, which is quite well, witchy. It is. <laughs> and it was in, what's that place? Witch... witch yeah, Hill Witchbury Hill. Witchbury Hill. So this is it's sort of like... Witchy. Yeah. It's the most... I mean, ultimately, like you say, we, the predator could have taken that hand and, and moved it. But it is still weird. Mm. And I guess the taffeta in the mouth is just... That's weird. Because yeah. that feels ritualistic. That feels like a gag to me. Yeah. But then equally, you're like, you can sometimes not romanticise, but fluff up some of these things in your head that make it feel more spooky and more like, you know, something to fit that narrative. But yeah. it is the most... For me, it's the kind of the most interesting. Not because it's the most factual, but just because it's like... It's weird. In February 1945, the body of a man named Charles Walton was found on nearby Meehan Hill in Lower Quinton, Warwickshire, which is about an hour away from Hagley, which is by car. So it's quite, it's quite a, a way away. It's, it's about 45 miles away. Mm. But he was found near a hedgerow skewered to the ground by a pitchfork. Oh, God. The murderer had beaten Walton over the head with his own walking stick, cut his neck open with a slash hook, also owned by Walton, and driven the prongs of the pitchfork into either side of his neck. His shirt and trousers had been unfastened, and his fly was unbuttoned. Witchcraft? (laughs) (laughs) It's all, there's a lot. That's overkill, literally, isn't it? That's like, unless what what are you doing there? What's the point of that? Is it a sexual thing? Is it? Yeah. It's... Though various murder suspects were put forward, this case too has remained unsolved Mm -hmm. and also earned itself a reputation I don't want to live there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's black country, isn't it? It's like, it's mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, so this murder earned itself a reputation of being closely connected with witchcraft, especially with the Bella in the Witch Elm Mm -hmm. situation occurring not long before. And also seeing as a similar murder occurred in the same area, almost 70 years earlier than that, when Anne Tennant, a lady of eight years old, was slaughtered by a local farmhand also with a pitchfork. Oh. So strange, isn't it? Yeah, very I guess strange. there were probably just a lot of pitchforks going on. Well, yeah, more than we use now, probably. <laughs> it's not really a handy item anymore. <laughs> but the um, apparently locals were very tight-lipped about the Charles mm. Walton thing. The police said they were very uncooperative. So that also adds it makes to Makes you think maybe something in the community that people knew about. That didn't, yeah, oh, yeah. But that, you know, the shirt and trousers unfastened mm. and his fly was unbuttoned. You kind of think, I, I don't want to... There'll be relatives of Charles Walton yeah. and uh, uh, walking around and there's absolutely no way I'd want to say anything bad about this person I know nothing about and they were murdered quite brutally. But it's sort of like, was it a self-defense situation? Mm. Because the weapons were things that this guy already had. 
Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't seem like someone had taken a weapon to murder him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or could it have been, and again, I have no idea, this person could have been entirely innocent and brutally murdered and it would yeah. just be awful. Yeah, totally. But, you know, maybe this person, if the community knew this person was doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. And then people have taken the matter into their own hands. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You just, uh, with ugh, some other one of those, you'll never know. And if they knew who it was mm. and they felt that it was self-defense, they're not going to tell the police about that, are they? No. But this is from an outsider looking in. Yeah, if exactly. If you just look can... at this, then those are the kind of conclusions you sort of can't deny that you think The human about. brain will always try and find us an answer for something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we don't like things left unopened. No, apart from Jack the Ripper. I read something recently that Catherine Eddowes, who was... Was she the third victim? She was... Yeah, she wasn't the first. Of the canonical ones. Yeah, yeah. She was somewhere in the middle, wasn't yeah. she? They said they found... They have her shawl, apparently, mm. that's been passed down through generations or something like that. Wow. And they said they found... They tested some apparent semen that was found on it, and they've linked it to the Polish guy who was a suspect, but I can't yeah. remember his name. No, I can't remember his name. That's they, interesting. Yeah, but I don't but know. But then equally, you've got to think, she was a sex worker, and if he yeah. was a client in that yeah, exactly. area, then it's like, you know, that could just again be coincidence. It doesn't make him a murderer. No, but, you know, he is quite compelling as a as a, a suspect yeah. for the reasons why he might be the person. But we will never know. No. Even if they test DNA, they're never gonna they're never gonna know and there probably wasn't just one there was maybe similarities between those five but there there was was also so many murders around there of similar yeah similar they were the white chapel murders weren't they yes because you can read all about it and it, it like it triples, doesn't it? Oh, it's so bad. And if you like, frame. I've got a book and it was literally like, oh, these are all other prospective victims, sex yeah. workers who were murdered. It's just horrendous. Such a dangerous, you know, nasty. Mm, yeah, you know, it wouldn't be. It's not a first choice, is it, for anybody? It's no, no, no. <sighs> Could be any of us. Yeah. The whereabouts of Bella's autopsy report and skeleton, like her identity, remain sadly unknown. A spokesperson for West Midlands Police said, Searches have been conducted by the Police Museum volunteers and they have confirmed that we hold no exhibits and can find no documentation that may relate to this case at either of the West Midlands Police Museums. Additionally, searches were carried out by our Force Records team, who have confirmed that there is no relevant documentation held with the major investigation team or in external storage. So she's just gone. So sad. Oh, lass. It's a good job she's got a grave. Well, yeah. With Thank the God. graffiti grave. Mm. But also, have they put her just in an unmarked grave? Because well, I guess they must have to legally. Because she doesn't have a name. So somewhere her actual grave is. She's what? just laid to rest. Well, yeah, because no one will have claimed it. Well, she's a, John, she's a so Jane what do Doe, you do? isn't she? She's what Jane Doe? So is that what, is that what, what do they do with unclaimed? She'll just be buried in an unmarked grave. Right, Okay. Oh, so that's why I think they can't so. find I mean, it. I don't know legally nowadays. I think maybe there's a more, you know, thoughtful and I'd like to hope there's a more thoughtful way of burying the unknown. Well, yeah. Um, but probably at that time they would have just, and especially with the war and everything mm. that was going on, she's probably just buried somewhere with someone else. Poor Bella. Poor Bella. So which is your, which is your favourite most viable theory? Most viable is not my favourite. Oh. <laughs> 
which is which is the most viable and viable i reckon the bloke who confessed to it who saw the weird thing probably and that i think he maybe him and that other bloke did something to that poor woman and there was an incident she was possibly could have been a sex worker and ultimately has had a horrible incident happen to which one person maybe was driven a bit mad by it yeah that would be my thoughts. Yeah, that's the one that I think, yeah, is the most viable. But, like, the witchcraft thing. You know, it was found, the skeleton was found. She was found on Lord Cobham's land. And I just I just find it very odd how her body doesn't seem to be anywhere. But like you say, it could have yeah. just been buried. But they can't find it. And I know it was the war and evidence does go missing without being in the middle of a war, mm. especially um, during times beyond a certain point in history. But I do kind of wonder about the Lord who owned the land. Mm. because I'm not saying he had anything to do with it, but it's it's just rich people can make things go away, can't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they want to, especially if they've been caught yes. doing a witchcraft strangle. <laughs> witchcraft strangle? Yeah. Technical move. But Hagley Hall is part of Hagley Estate, mm. and there's supposed to be some family ghost story connected to I mean, ultimately, to... someone has to have known that tree was there, so yeah. maybe it was somebody who knew the land better yeah. than just a poacher or... So I wonder what Jack Mossett was. Mm. And also, it just, I'm not saying it was him. It just seems like that doesn't seem to be included in any of the theories. No, no one seems but it to... wouldn't be, would it, if it paid to make it go away? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not saying that about any, any of rich, rich. Oh God, they're going to come for us. <laughs> <laughs> if no one hears from yeah. us, we've been uh, bumped off. <laughs> I'm not saying, right, no, forget it, forget it. It wasn't you. Of course it wasn't. It wasn't could it could be? have possibly been the Viscount. <laughs> or the Viscount. Viscount <laughs> Biscuit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Memories. Great chocolate biscuits. <laughs> but I'll, I'll have a look at the family ghost story attached to Hagley Hall. Yeah, I didn't have time to look at it. And if you want to learn more about the murders of Charles Walton and Anne Tennant, there's a big rabbit hole that you can go down on the internet. There's so many rabbit there's, holes. It's just a big, it's quite a well-known Guess local what? murder. The internet is a massive <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah. An A-hole. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Hmm. Have you ever done any Murdering. white? <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever done any what? White witchcraft. White witchcraft. When I was a teenager. Did you? I definitely loved the idea of being a wicker. Yeah. Um, I went through a phase of yeah. buying loads of wiccan books and reading about it. Yeah, so did I. And I did like tarot cards and oh, did stuff. You? My... But my sister was very like that. She was older than me. And so like, yeah, I kind of... Religion wasn't for me, so mm. I was a bit like, oh, well, could I centre myself around and love nature and all that sort yeah. of stuff? So it's like, mm. you know, it's the least offensive for my opinion. <laughs> it's very interesting and colourful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but as I grew up, it was like, oh no, I need to do just my normal, like, get up and wash my hair. I don't have time to do rituals and all that sort of stuff as well. It kind yeah. of dropped off for me. I also, I sometimes, because even sometimes now you see, like, you stumble upon, like, you know, those beautiful tarot cards that are, so, mm. like, spooks in how it yeah. sells tarot cards. And I sort of think, oh, I want to Yeah, I actually, them I genuinely consider buying, buying some, not because I will use them, but yeah. just some really beautiful, like, and obviously I'm an illustrator, so I just love illustration. Yeah. And I think the time... As someone who illustrates, I just know the time that things take mm. and some of the designs yeah. that you get in these. They're just so beautiful. 
I, I just I want to do them, but then I'm worried that I'll start getting funny and that I'll getting <laughs> I'll get a bit OCD or something. Like uh, I don't say that lightly. I've never been diagnosed with OCD, but I do kind of. I don't know how to describe it. Rituals, like you were saying, things mm. like that. It starts, I'm I susceptible to falling into patterns where I can't break them. Fair enough. And I yeah, worry that tarot will be You don't want to be having to, like, myself should I well. go to the shops or should I go on holiday? I'll get the tarot yeah, out to exactly. answer that question. I remember when I, uh, when I was, like, during my 20s, when I was probably emotionally traumatised by life in general uh i used to go on the internet the internet um and you know that magic eight ball thing oh I yeah that's so much and that's like, question should i do <laughs> i was like what are you doing like and it sometimes, sometimes it would say yes sometimes it would say no sometimes it sometimes would say maybe. though i think you just want someone else to give you an answer yeah and yeah. i think all humans do that like yeah. If I ever got personal stuff going on and you, sometimes it feels just a bit overwhelming being an adult, you kind of just sort of like want to resort back to being a pet like a child yeah, and exactly. having a parent yeah. to just go, can, so, can you just can you just tell me what to do in this situation that's going to be the best outcome? That's true, isn't it? And I think that's ultimately, I'm not, you know, I'm speaking personally, not I respect everyone's needs for what they have and their loves and passions and beliefs. But for me... I think it's just, yeah, an innate thing we have as as humans to try and look for someone to help guide us or yeah. give us advice in whatever form. And that's probably why spiritualism is on the rise. Well, yeah. Especially, you know, when you've got so much uncertainty. Yeah. You just need someone to hold your hand sometimes. <laughs> well, it happened after um, the First World War. There was a big rise in spirituality. Yeah. Uh, spiritualism. And post-COVID... Because the news shoves badness oh, down your throat yeah. 24-7 because it relies on clicks. It yeah. wants you to click on it. Uh, apparently, there's uh, there's lots of um, new members. But I imagine there's a rise in all types of religion. Yeah, maybe, yeah. This yeah, yeah. is just so much, un- like, right now it can just feel a bit daunting. And ultimately doing that alone with no, no support network in whatever form is can be hard. I just got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I deal with it. <laughs> what have I done? I just scream into my pillow. <laughs> no. Um, Dog walks, talking to myself, yeah. giving myself a pet talk. That's definitely. I think speaking, talking to myself out loud, speaking and talking, speaking and talking out loud to myself uh, is my new thing. Do it. If it works pet for talk. you. You can do this. You are fine. You can well, get yeah. through the day. Well, exactly. That's yeah. you parenting yourself. Exactly. Well done. Thanks. Good parenting. <laughs> Pat on the back for me. <laughs> have you had enough cheese? I have had enough cheese. You can I'm, take it. I home mean, with I still, you. actually, it's a lie. I haven't had enough cheese. I could have eaten it all. Why don't you just eat that cheese? No. Why? Shan't. But do you not think you've gone past the point of cheese that more cheese won't make any difference? No, I did that. Then I came back, I came back to the point of I've got to the limit of cheese. I've eaten a lot of cheese. Okay. All the cheeses. There's no blue left. What about some biscuits? <laughs> I ate one of those. Only one. Have yeah. two. <laughs> Go for it. All the biscuits. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am well fed. Do you want to take some breadsticks home? <laughs> I'm now just taking a picnic. Well, I've had a fantastic okay. time. Okay. <laughs> Thank has been you. Very, very good. Thanks for thanks for uh, listening to me talk at length. I feel like I talked a lot, and so I, sorry to everybody. I may well, have kept butting. I know if I kept butting in the story. Don't say anything because that would be rubbish. <laughs> Fair I'd enough. Be quite cross with you. <laughs> what was the point in you being here? <laughs> what are you going to do for the rest of your evening? 
Um, I'm going to wait for you to go to bed and then I'm going to appear. Oh, you're not going to leave. (laughs) Let you experience what I have on a night time. Oh, yeah. How often do you see maybe Hatman? Oh, I don't know. It's very random. I couldn't tell you when it happens or when it doesn't. To be fair, it's not happened for a while. Good. But I'm not scared of it anymore. No. But also, I, I, when I used to be ill as a kid, I used to hallucinate a lot. Like I've seen, I remember once being ill at Christmas and there was a Christmas tree in the house and I like was laid on the sofa and then I hallucinated that a girl from school was under the tree <gasps> and started like pulling all of the Oh my God, presents. like Bella in the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> pulling all of the presents out and my mum was just like, what are you doing? Oh, what, I you was, like, did it? Yeah, you, you I was pulled, pulling all oh, the presents right. out I thought this girl, Abby, was like Whoa. under my tree and she wasn't. And there was another time I thought a ship was crashing in through the walls oh my god so I just have a very I think it's a very vivid imagination to be fair Mm. and ultimately just plays tricks on me sometimes but that is a bit like paralysis isn't it where you're not well yeah you're you're dreaming but that's like a night terror well yeah and I think ultimately that's probably what it was because I was a kid and it was when I was sick so ultimately it was a reason elevated temperature and all that sort of stuff that reminds me of that story Nick Steele told when he came on Mm. and he talked about his childhood home and how it was oh yeah he said that when he was sick That's when he saw a ghost that came into his parents' bedroom where he was languishing and started shouting at him. Well, my kids, like, they have, they've had night terrors and that's very scary when they're doing Mm. it and you can't, it's almost like they can't hear you. Really? Yeah. And you're kind of like trying to calm them down, but they're hysterical. When my son had meningitis, he was basically in a state of sleep, but like screaming and very distressed. But it's just constant for like days on end. And it was just like, I, I don't even know what you're seeing. Like I can't oh, no. even... That must be so difficult as a parent. Yeah. Because you want to protect them. Yeah. Totally. And you do, but that's something out of your control. You yeah. can't go in his mind and No, and you out. can't, and he can't really, you can't really reason yeah. at that point. So yeah. Well, I hope you don't have any night terrors this evening. <laughs> but you have been eating cheese, have. so you might have some Jeez, weird dreams. I'm going to have crazy dreams. You will have weird <laughs> dreams. And also some trumps. <laughs> Arshman. <laughs> Great. Close on that note. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And for letting Jess and I inject a bit of Worcestershire soul into your day. Cheese soul. What? Cheese soul. Cheese soul. Yes. <laughs> Long live the hill of Witchbury, as well as those who haunt her. And may that power forever compel you to never presume. Got anything to say? With never regards presume to that? that you didn't fall into the tree yourself. <laughs> yeah. Bella. Bella. You fool. You fool. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye! (laughs) Yeah! I imagine, I mean, I've never been a corpse that is, you know, rotting but I imagine everything slips